Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Heartway. (laughs) Thank our praise leaders. Thank Cliff and Amanda, all of the beautiful things we've been able to experience this morning. Particularly, want to thank Cliff for what he just verbalized and the prayer that he sent forth about everything that's going on overseas and in this world. Albeit extremely saddening and worrisome, I also believe that we can take something very influential from what's going on. A lot of us, when we see what's happening, it creates this level of enigma. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know the scope of what's occurring. And that causes us to feel fear. But the question becomes, are we often allowing fear to drive our spiritual life? Because we may notice that when everything is going okay, we don't prioritize sitting with God as much. We don't prioritize our prayer time often. We don't prioritize our self-assessment because we get so caught up in doing and progress and achieving. But when we get worried, we get scared. A lot of times that's when we come to the throne of grace. And I'm simply inviting us together to allow what is occurring externally to remind us of the importance of this time right here. The importance of allowing ourselves to sit with God, to sit with ourselves. This isn't just a practice. This isn't a ritual. This is a gift. We get to be here in peace. There aren't bombs going off outside of this church. We get to sit in silence and experience God and experience ourselves. And let us just take this moment to say, thank you. Because I can speak for myself in saying, it's been a wake up call for me. With that being said, let us get comfortable. Completely forget (laughs) that your neighbor is sitting next to you. Forget that there is a person from which this voice is coming from. It's just time for you and God. You may close your eyes. As you breathe, 
that that is all you need to do. don't need to wait to hear what I'm going to say. You don't need to wait at all. Just wisdom is always the simplest. All there is to do is breathe. observation. Observe the sensations that arise as you breathe. You may feel a warming or a tingling in your fingers, in your arms. may appear, but every time you breathe, you're achieving a greater distance between yourself and those events. Noticing these aren't my thoughts, they're just thoughts. These aren't my emotions, they're just emotions.
these aren't my sensations. They're just sensations. But if none of this is mine, what do I need to take responsibility for? In this space, nothing. Just be. Immerse in the freedom to be. not given to you, so it can't be taken away. God wove it into the fibers of your being. Know that you have not found this peace. 
you're simply remembering. Welcome back. Welcome back. so gently allow the sensations to come back into your body feel yourself coming back into the awareness of your body and in your own time you may open your eyes. We love you, and we thank you, Hartway family. God bless. Thank you. What's up, everybody? Good morning. Happy Sunday. Welcome to Hartway. If it's your first time, welcome. My name's Danny. And uh, I have the great privilege of being one of the leaders here in this community. And I love Sundays. I love interacting with you. I love engaging with your energy. I love the conversations that we get to have. It's all about helping people find freedom from their suffering. How do we find freedom from our suffering? And the one thing that just comes to my mind and heart this morning that I want to convey before I even get into what I prepared is be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with yourself. Anybody ever had like a bad dream? Anybody? Right? You have like a bad dream and you wake up and your heart's pounding. Or like I was watching this, uh, this show the other day where this guy in his sleep, I mean, this is normal, but in his sleep, he was just having a whole conversation. Just having a whole conversation with somebody in his sleep. Like, when you wake up from a dream like that, do you beat yourself up about it? Like, oh my God, I can't believe that I dreamed that. <laughs> Sometimes you do? Oh, okay, I've never done that. <laughs> I guess sometimes, I, yeah, I guess you could beat yourself up about it, but it's like you're dreaming and you had no, you had no part to play in that process, right? I mean, it's just like, you're just talking to whoever you're talking to. Some people get up and walk around and do things and like, and you have all these adventures in, in, your, in your mind. All of this is happening without you doing it. It's just like a natural process. Your mind is just doing all of this stuff. But when we wake up in the morning even though our mind continues to undergo the same process, we start personalizing all of it. We start making the dream really personal and we fill ourselves with guilt and with shame and we beat ourselves up and why do I think like this? And why am I the way that I am? It's an impersonal process, the whole thing. You don't Stop dreaming just because you open your eyes in the morning. The whole, thi the whole thing, you, you're being dreamt. 
Why are you laughing? Because you know what I'm talking about, kind of. It's not personal. Be gentle with yourself. Some of us are living in hell. We all have our hell that we have to live through up here. The hell of anxiety and depression and worry and sadness and loneliness and apathy and all of the. I was talking to somebody in the gym and he said that he was doing an exercise with like his therapist, I guess. And his therapist asked him to go back to the moment that he was in his mother's womb and to try and maybe communicate what he thinks he was feeling, the emotions that he was feeling when he was in his mother's womb. Think about that for yourself. When you were in your mother's womb, what kind of emotions do you think you were experiencing? Right? Like it started, it started from that point. Before you had anything to do with it. So it's nothing to feel guilty about. It's nothing to feel bad about. It's natural. However, there are a lot of uh, distorted perceptions that we have picked up over time that keep us from seeing reality for what it is. And some of us go through our entire lives without ever really taking the time to slow down and just reflect on the thoughts, the beliefs, the perceptions that filter our experience of reality. We innocently believe everything that we think and we never take the time to examine the mindsets that we have adopted and inherited and the effect that those mindsets have had on our life, the impact that those mindsets have had on our relationships. What you call your mind is probably better understood as a collection of thoughts and concepts that you have inherited and adopted from other people. We, we recycle thoughts as human beings between one another. And we think the way that we think because our environment, our experiences, our biology and our chemistry, even just the way that you are genetically impacts the way that you think and perceive. We are the way we are. We think the way we think because all of these influences have conditioned us to think that way. And all of our unhappiness in life arises from this conditioning of our mind, the way we have been conditioned to look at and interpret the world, which is normally rooted in fear. That's like the default mode that we enter into this world with fear. The fear of not being enough, the fear of what other people think, the fear of being alone, the fear of change, the fear of being wrong. All of these fears drive the way that we see reality and interpret reality. And it's helpful to point out what your core fear is, because if you can't name it, then you won't be able to understand your thinking process. Like in my life, my core fear has always been 
the, the fear of, re, of rejection, the fear of not being accepted. And so I spent most of my life, and I still have moments, where I desire to be accepted by other people. And, and it's scary for me when I am not. What is that core fear for you? That is what is driving the way that you see and interpret the world. And what the scriptures teach is that what we need is a sort of mental renewal. Because if you change your mind, you change your life. Because they're the same thing. They're the same thing. Your life can only be what you perceive it to be. That's, that's it. Your life can only be what you perceive it to be. Life and mind are the same thing. So I want you to read this passage of scripture with me. Look at what it says. Change the former way of life that was part of the person you once were, corrupted by deceitful desires. Instead, renew the thinking in your mind by the Spirit. Look at this next one, 1 Peter 5 eight. Be sober-minded and be watchful. Be attentive to your inner life. Notice what's happening within you. Sober, that word sober-minded literally means free from illusion or clear-minded. To be sober-minded is to be free from illusion. When I hear the word illusion, first thing that comes to my mind is magic. Anybody ever been to like a magic show? I went to Vegas a couple years ago, and I went to see, what's this guy's name, David uh, Copperfield? Pretty dope guy, crazy, really enjoyable experience. The reason why I can enjoy what I was watching is because I know it's not real. Because if I didn't think it was real and I see this man cut a woman in half, okay, but we watch these people like just do the craziest things. Yeah, he just cut her in half and we're like, yeah, that was awesome, wow. Oh my God, it's amazing. We're three margaritas in, just like, oh my God, this is the best night ever. Well, the only way that we can see somebody getting cut in half and be cool and laugh and be okay is because we know it's an illusion. It's not real, it's not real, it's not real. In my world, the ego is the greatest magi magician there is. The greatest magician there is. That voice of fear, that voice of insecurity, that voice of anxiety. When you create distance from it and you recognize that it is illusion, it's not, it's not real, you can almost laugh at what the ego offers up. I, I love watching all of the ways that my mind tries to create problems when there are none. It's fascinating to me. For me, the deeper I've become rooted in love and truth, when the voice of fear arises, when the voice of judgment arises, and sometimes it gets me, sometimes it hooks me. But when I notice and I wake up, I'm like, oh, you almost got me there. That was good. That was a good trick. And it's just like this little inner game that I play with myself. It's like, man, that was a good one this time. You almost made me believe that they were the problem. <laughs> wow. 
Good job. Illusion, illusion. It's a magic show. But if you don't know that it's a magic show and that voice of fear starts speaking, you start trembling. If you don't know it's a magic show and that voice of anxiety starts screaming, you lose it. Look at what this other passage of scripture says. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. This is tough for some of us. If I can't trust my mind, what can I trust? Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. Proverbs chapter 4, this is a very popular proverb that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Until you come to the recognition that your own understanding is very limited. You won't be able to see big picture truth. You won't be able to see things from a wider vantage point, God's vantage point. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, go back. But he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Wisdom for me is synonymous with love, humility, balance. When these virtues guide your life, now you have a compass that can direct you. Wisdom is peace. Peace can be your compass. And when you hear other voices that contradict the truth of love and that contradict the truth of peace and that move you off of balance, you know not to trust that voice. But it, it, takes, it takes practice. And it takes not identifying yourself with the voice in your head. But uh, creating a relationship between you and your thoughts and your emotions. Creating some space that allows you to watch and become aware without personalizing this whole process that's going on in your mind all the time. Look at this next one. The simple believe everything. But the clever consider their steps. That beginning part of this, the simple believe everything. I want us to apply that to what we think in our mind. The simple just believe everything they think. The thought comes to my mind and it's, it's the truth. It is what it is. But we don't, we don't come to recognize that the, 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 the source of that is ego. The source of that is fear, which means it's fake. It's not it's not real, it's, it's illusion. Simple believe everything, but the clever consider their steps. So, all of that to say, I wanna share with you today, today's message is gonna be very simple, practical, informative. I wanna share with you a list of cognitive distortions, mental distortions, for you to be mindful of. This list that I'm gonna share with you was created by psychologists in the field of cognitive behavioral therapy. CBT basically operates off of the premise that your thoughts and your beliefs drive your emotions and your experiences. Okay? Mind is cause, emotion is effect. So if you change your thoughts, you can change the negative emotions and experiences that you're having. 
This list of cognitive distortions will help you to identify and put a label to that voice of fear, that voice of ego that pretends to be real when it isn't. But we don't recognize it until we learn this stuff. And what I love about the fact that psychologists have come up with this wonderful and extensive list is that this, what, what they're saying is what the mystics and the sages have been saying for thousands of years, which is reality is not the problem. Your beliefs about reality is, is the problem. So we have to question our beliefs. We have to question the filter through which we are seeing and understanding everything. So I think this list is going to be very helpful. And you hopefully will be able to start identifying when you're falling into these distortions. Here's the first one on the list. All or nothing thinking. This is a cognitive distortion. I love that they use that phrase. All or nothing thinking is also known as either or thinking, meaning you see things in terms of extremes. There are no gray areas for you. Something is either totally good or it's totally bad. It's either amazing or it's awful. It's right or it's wrong, point blank, period. It was a success or it was a failure. Either or. Spiritual wisdom involves a shift from either or thinking to both and thinking. Both and thinking is recognizing that multiple things can be true at the same time. Was it good? Yeah. Was it bad? Yeah. If you are a both and thinker, you don't reject other perspectives just because they don't align with yours. You're able to pick out the kernel of truth in anything. Yesterday I was talking to somebody and a very intuitive uh, woman who wanted to share some things with me and, uh, about what she was reading from me, I guess. And, 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 and at one point she says, I hope I'm not overstepping. I said, no, never. You're never overstepping. I love to hear what anybody has to say, especially if it has anything to do with me. I'm so curious and interested because I can, I'll take anything from what you say that will add value to me and that will be beneficial to me. Here's an example of all or nothing thinking. Why don't you take my side? If you don't take my side, you're against me. Y'all don't like this. Here's another all or nothing thinking. If you don't dislike who I dislike, you're in opposition to me. Right? This is one I, had to, I have to wrestle with as a going through divorce. Because this is very easy to do. Oh, you're picking her side. Really? That's how you're doing this? If you're not on my side, if you're not with me, you're against me. So this is all or nothing thinking. Anybody can think of any examples of how you fall into this trap of all or nothing thinking? You're, you're, you're only seeing a slice of the pie if you're an all or nothing thinker. Okay, next. Overgeneralization. 
cognitive distortion, overgeneralization. This is assuming on the basis of one experience that all future events are gonna have the same outcome. So we overgeneralize when we use the word always or never. For example, everyone always cancels on me, so I'm not even gonna bother planning anything anymore because they always cancel on me. I, another one, you never apologize. It's, I used to do this one all the time. You never apologize. It's always me being the bigger person. Another example, maybe you go somewhere, you visit a store, you have a very unpleasant interaction with one staff member. So now you decide that everyone that works there in that store is bad. It's a bad store, and you resolve that you will never go there again. This is called overgeneralizing. You had one negative experience, and now you think all future events are going to have that same negative outcome. This is called being blinded by your ego. Next, emotional reasoning. Emotional reasoning is assuming that because you feel a certain way, it must be reality. Okay, so this can also be described as accepting your emotions as facts. I feel it, so it has to be true. <laughs> Another one. I feel guilty, so that means I'm a bad person. Hey, that, this is a great opportunity to practice what we're talking about here today, everybody. <laughs> I feel inadequate, so I must be worthless. I feel jealous, so they have to be hiding something from me. I know we feel that one. You feel a little bit of jealousy, and now today, no, no, something's going on here. Uh, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Emotional reasoning. Next. I'm going to try and keep it short because this is kind of tense in here, guys. <laughs> That's good. I'm messing. You see? All right, next. Magnification of the negative. So this is only paying attention to what is wrong, what is bad, and what is negative, and we exaggerate shortcomings and problems. So bad things always happen to me. Another example. Man, I did better this time, but it's still not good enough. You magnify the negative. That's all you see. This involves perceiving a relatively minor incident as being much more important than what it really is. So in the morning you wake up, you spill the glass of milk. Now that's not just a minor annoyance. This is the cause of a major upset. It ruins the rest of your day. This has happened. We fall prey to this. Example, you had a great vacation. <laughs> Except, we had some people who went through some vacation problems recently. That's why they're laughing. Everything was great, man. Great vacation. Something happened with your luggage. You lost it for a couple of days. And that last part is all you can focus on when you think about that vacation or when other people ask you about it. It was just, yeah, it was great, but no. This happened, and it just ruined the rest of the trip. <laughs> just ruined the rest of the trip. <laughs> okay, next. Catastrophizing. 
This is expecting disaster, expecting the worst case scenario. This is a distortion that I have to work through. The moment that you're presented with an issue, you automatically believe the most awful possibility will manifest. You just automatically go to the worst thing possible that can happen. For example, you call your mother and she doesn't answer the phone and your first thought is she's dead. <laughs> literally, I see people like, damn, that's me. That's literally me. Gosh. Next. Man. Next up, disqualifying the positive. Okay, this one's good. Downplaying or invalidating good things that are said to you or that have happened to you. Here's an example. You think someone's lying to you when they give you a compliment. Has that ever happened before? When in my earlier days of, of speaking and communicating, I used to be overly self-conscious about how I did and how people received it and if it was good or not. And there would be times where I would finish speaking and I've immediately, I mean, as I, as I was speaking and as I was stepping off the stage, I, that, that was the worst. That was horrible. Oh, my God, that was bad. I messed up. Or I did it, whatever. And then someone would come up to me after the service and say, Danny, that was so good. Thank you. And I would, in my mind, I'd be like, why are you lying, bro? Like, you're just trying to, like, <laughs> trying to make me feel good? Or what is it? I don't know. <laughs> but this happens. Disqualify the positive. Oh, this is our favorite one. This is our favorite cognitive distortion. Jumping to conclusions. And there's two ways you could do this. Through mind reading, through a lot of good mind readers, and through fortune telling. All right, mind reading is the inaccurate belief that we can know what another person is thinking or feeling. And of course, this is normally assuming that others are thinking or feeling negatively towards you. For example, maybe somebody that you know didn't say hi to you, or they didn't say bye to you, or a stranger looks at you a certain way, and just off of that glance, you jump to the conclusion that they have a problem with you. Fortune telling is making predictions about the future with little to no evidence. So an example of this would be a single person predicting that pff, they're never going to find love. They'll never be in a happy, committed relationship because up to this point, they haven't found one yet. So oh, forget it. It's never going to happen. Jump into conclusions. Next, blaming. Blaming is holding other people responsible for your pain. Or it's the opposite. You blame yourself for the problems of others. It's my fault that he cheated. It's my fault that she left. Maybe one of your kids is getting bad grades in school. And instead of trying to find out why they're struggling, you just assume that that's a sign that you're a bad parent. Blame. Rooted in guilt, of course, and shame. Another example, maybe you blame your relationship problems on the other person without acknowledging the role that you have to play in contributing to the chaos. Labeling is another big cognitive distortion. Using negative labels for yourself or other people. Taking one characteristic of a person and applying it to the whole person. 
So maybe you had an interaction with somebody and you decided off of that interaction that they're a jerk. And now, off of that one interaction where you got a hunch that this person's a jerk, you're going to keep judging them in all future interactions through that lens. Oh, yeah, that person, they're the worst. Oh, yeah, that person, they're a jerk. Example, because I failed a test, I'm a failure. That's labeling. Because she's usually late to work, she's irresponsible. And now when you look at that person, you can't see anything else other than the label that you've put on them. And I love when other people try to warn me about other people and let me know about it. I do appreciate heads up because sometimes, you know, there's a little bit of little. You remember that little nugget of truth sometimes that we find in things? But I don't want to go into an interaction with somebody already with preconceived ideas in my mind of who they are. Because then, guess what? I'll find all the evidence to prove that that's true. Oh, yeah, you know what? I'll find everything that can justify why they are a jerk, why they are irresponsible. Next, should statements. This cognitive distortion is about believing unrealistic things about how you or others should act. So you create an arbitrary list of rules about how you and other people should behave. People who break the rules make you angry because don't they know you should act like this? I mean, it's obvious. And when you violate those rules, of course, you're going to feel guilty. Man, I should go to the gym every day. And because I don't, I feel terrible about that. Because you, you have that expectation on yourself. I should be way past this issue by now. But I'm still dealing with it. And so you feel terrible that you're not. Because you've said a million times that you're going to change and that things are going to get better. And by this time, it should be different, but it isn't. And that weighs on you. Those, those shoulds are heavy burdens to carry. In my world, what should be is what is. Next, fallacy of fairness. This is operating under the assumption that life should be fair. And you judge every experience by its perceived fairness. Okay, life should be fair. And of course, fair for you means something different than fair for someone else. So when we fall to this cognitive distortion, we feel upset or we feel hopeless when we have experiences that don't seem fair. We feel resentful because we think we know what is fair, but other people don't agree with us. Here's a good example. You go into the doctor's office. They have a very clear late policy. You show up late, but you still expect to be seen because you believe your situation is different and it wouldn't be fair for them not to recognize your special circumstances. This isn't fair. How is this fair? will drive you crazy. Next, personalization. This is thinking that everything people say or do is some sort of reaction to you. Okay, this includes comparing yourself to others, trying to determine who's smarter, who's better looking, who's more successful. An example of personalization. Someone cuts you off in traffic and you think that they did it because they drive a nicer car than you. Or maybe your boss is a jerk 
and you think that this is a reflection of you and your work and yourself as a person, even though he's a jerk to everyone. Really. I was talking to somebody uh, from my job this week, one of our uh, social workers. We were uh, working with a family that was uh, just very displeased and disheartened with, with certain things that were happening. And for me as a chaplain, a lot of people come to me with these issues when they have problems with other staff in the organization or, or um, things of that sort. And so I talked to this family. Well, our social worker also talked to this family and she called me almost t crying in tears because of how she was being treated by these people who were just really angry and fed up with what they felt was just uh, a lack of, of consistency on the part of the organization that I'm a part of, whatever. Th those things happen all the time. But this person, my coworker, oh my gosh, she took that to heart, crying. Like, man, I have my own life too. I, I you know, and, and people treat me like this. And it's, a, I'm like, listen, they did this. It doesn't matter if it was, if it's you on the phone or me or someone else, they are going to be the same way because it doesn't have nothing to do with you. This is just what they're feeling and they need an outlet. And we have, we happen to be that. We happen to be the target in the moment, but it could be any target. But we, of course, we tend to, to personalize things. A few more. Next cognitive distortion is the fallacy of change. This is expecting other people to change their ways in order to suit your expectations or needs. And you think that other people should change if you pressure them enough. So you, for example, may constantly present your political views to someone, expecting them to change their opinions, and you're unhappy unless they agree with you. It's like, no, don't you get it? I mean, you're applying this pressure, trying to tell people why they're wrong and why you're right. And you think that they should change if you just pressure enough, and it doesn't happen. And then I think this is the last one, which is, always being right. If you haven't figured out that this is a cognitive distortion, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But this is a cognitive distortion. The need to always be right. In your mind, being wrong is unacceptable. You can't be wrong. Everything rides on you being right. And so you have to fight to prove that you're right. Example, Facebook, Twitter. <laughs> That's, that, that, that's, that's an example of always being right. This cognitive distortion is on display in many comment sections. The Facebook warriors, you know? So is there one more or is that it? That's it? Oh, there's one more? Okay. So yeah, this is the next part. As you grow in your self-awareness, you will be able to recognize when you are falling prey to these cognitive distortions. At first, you may not notice it until way after and some consequences have resulted. Then you reflect and look back and you're like, you know what? Maybe that was some all or nothing thinking that got me into some trouble. Maybe it was overgeneralizing. Maybe it was this. Maybe it was that. As you grow in your self-awareness, you'll be able to start picking up that this is happening as it's happening. 
which will help you to be free of the negative impact that comes from these mental distortions. So, once we identify that we have fallen prey to a cognitive distortion, now what? How do we break free? Where do we go from here? And this is the little solution I want to offer to you today. I wanted to uh, make these with all C's so it's easier to remember, okay? How to break free of mental distortions. Number one, call out the distortion. Identify it. So you have now a list of categories. You can, find, you can Google this yourself, or you can go to the uh, Bible app, look for Heartway, and we have these slides available. All the slides that I just went through with you today, they're available. Learn, learn this so that you can pick up on it when, when you're doing it. And there's no guilt or shame about it. We all fall prey to these cognitive distortions. Label it, identify it, call out the distortion so you know what you're working with. Once you understand what the distortion is, that is um, filtering your experience of reality, next, consider your emotive and behavioral response. What effect is this cognitive distortion having on my life? How do I treat other people when I magnify the negative? How do I think about myself and feel about myself when I disqualify the positive? Look at the response that that belief, that that thought, that that narrative is creating in your life. If it's anything other than peace, it's a distortion. And your response, your feelings will let you know that. That's why feelings are so important. That's why they matter. That's why we have to pay attention because they're telling us something. They're yelling at us, telling us there has to be something that needs to change. So consider, does this help me or does this hurt me? When I think this way, is this helping me or hurting me? Is this a fact or is this an opinion? Consider. Next is challenge the distortion. And I found this, there's a lot of different tools, so many different tools. This one that I saw particularly is called putting thoughts on trial. You can Google putting thoughts on trial. You'll see a little worksheet. Some therapists use this with people. But, you know, you can do your own therapy too. Because I don't know if you guys are going to be paying $150 every time to do this. You should. It's a great investment. And also, you shouldn't. Maybe you shouldn't. She just said you just should it on us. Maybe you should. Maybe you shouldn't. That's up to you. It's really up to you. But it's helpful. And it's also helpful to learn how to take yourself through this process. Putting your thoughts on trial. What is that? You are the defense, the prosecutor, and the judge. Okay, so identify the thought. Write it down. This is the thought. My mother shouldn't treat me so harshly. Okay, whatever. That's the thought. Now, you start with the defense. So provide the evidence as to why this is true. And 
No opinions are allowed, only facts. No opinions, just facts. So you write down your list as the defense team when you put this thought on trial. What is the evidence that supports the truthfulness of this thought? Once you got that list, now you're the prosecutor. What is all the evidence I can come up with that maybe disproves the truthfulness of this thought? That my mother shouldn't be harsh towards me. Once you have this list down, now you get to judge from as objective of a place that you can whether this thought is true or not, whether it's helpful or not, whether you actually use this particular process or not, I hope you can take from this the importance of just considering the truthfulness of what you're thinking. Just take some time to consider whether what you are believing is actually true and write out the evidence. And then challenge some, you know, everything you put on the, de on, the, on the defense, defending why you believe what you're believing about a person or situation. Challenge some of that evidence that you're presenting. Is this fact or is this opinion? Because no opinions allowed, just facts. And you'll, you'll come to see how often uh, there's not much weight to what you're believing. Once you've called out the distortion, considered your emotive and behavioral response, you've challenged the distortion, now you can create a new response. You create new behaviors. You create new actions. So that's it for today. <laughs> I don't even want to go a minute longer because we've already gone long, and this is a lot to chew and digest. But consider what you're thinking. Consider what you're thinking, and be gentle with yourself in the process. Let me pray for you. God, in this moment, we ask that you would help us to renew our minds so that we can see the world through the eyes of your spirit. Cleanse our perception. Help us to see reality for what it is. Elevate us to a higher level of consciousness so that we can live in the truth that sets us free. Help us to break free from so many of the mental distortions that we cling to unconsciously because it's all that we know. May we come to find the truth of who you are as we examine our thoughts. And we ask for you to do the ultimate miracle, which is to help us change our perception. Because as we change our perception, we, we change our world and we change our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody. Happy Sunday. I hope this was helpful. See you next weekend. God bless.